welcome to Face to Face broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of the nation's assembly incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Praise the Lord. I start with 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. I will be very fast, then before I will be slow. Amen. Right. Okay, because I have to rush to a point. Because tomorrow, I must teach on something. Amen. And I cannot teach that thing if you don't get what I want to teach today. Did you get me? Alright, it says, let a man so account of us. Okay, let's read it together. One to go. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Hallelujah. Alright, Paul was speaking and he said, this is how people should account of us. This is what they should say about us. We that are ministers of Christ, they should account of us as stewards of the mysteries of God. And I believe also that Peter agreed with Paul when he said in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, he said, as every one man has received the gift, so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So a minister is a steward of the mysteries of God and a steward of the manifold grace of God. In unveiling the mysteries of God, you will encounter the manifold grace of God. And today, the many-sided grace of God will show up. As we unfold the mysteries of God. Hallelujah. Are we together? So it said, go back to 1 Corinthians 4, 4 verse 1. It said, let a man so account of us. Today receive me as the steward of the mysteries of God. Now, from this scripture, it means there are mysteries of God. And when we say mystery, we're not talking about something that is hidden that will never be known. In the context of the Bible, when the Bible says mystery, it's talking about something that was hidden, but now has been made known. Hallelujah. It is hidden not from you, but it is hidden for you. Hallelujah. Jesus had made a statement in Matthew 13 from verse 11. When he spoke the parable of the sower. To the multitude, after speaking to them in parables, then he explained the parable to the disciples. And they were wondering, why are you always speaking to these people in parables? And Jesus responded by saying that, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But unto them it is not given. That statement meant that the mysteries of the kingdom can be known. I said that yesterday. It can be known. Say it can be known. The second thing is that for someone to know the mysteries, it has to be given to you to know. And Jesus was saying to them, it is given to you to know. Thank God, those of us that are in Christ, 
it is given to us to know. Amen. Of course, the Matthew account of it used the phrase kingdom of heaven. But when Mark talks about the same portion of scripture and Luke talks about the same portion of scripture, Luke chapter 8, Mark chapter 4, he called it the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God has mysteries. Mysteries. Glory to God. And now, we are in the New Testament. The word mystery is mentioned like 27 times in the New Testament and not even mentioned at all in the Old. That means there are certain things that God reserved for us to know. No matter how a prophet of old prayed before Jesus died, that mystery will not have still opened. It was not possible for them to know it. Even when Jesus was with his disciples, if you see when he was talking to them about the Holy Spirit and what the ministry of the Spirit would be, he said to them, he said, there are some things I will want to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Amen. That means that this mystery is not time to unveil them. But thank God, in this meeting, it is time to unveil them. Glory to God. Are we together? So, we are here to talk about the mysteries of God. But because we are in a new testament, in a new covenant, our focus today is the mysteries of the new testament. Some time ago I was reading the book of Revelation and I got to the portion that talks about when the mysteries of God were finished. Amen. That means he has opened all of them. Hallelujah. There's nothing left. Amen. So are we ready for them? So we're going to mention them and then we'll pick them one after the other and see how far we go. For sake of clarity and scriptural consistency, I have categorized the mysteries in seven. Hallelujah. Are we together? The mysteries of the New Testament in seven broad categories. So I'm going to mention them one after the other. So are you ready? Mystery number one. The mystery of the faith. I'll give you a scripture. 1 Timothy 3 verse 9. Say it with me, the mystery of the faith. Say again, the mystery of the faith. 1 Timothy 3 verse 9. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Hallelujah. That's mystery number one. Mystery number two. The mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. Ephesians 3 verse 4. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You got that? That's mystery number two. Mystery number three. The mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 6 verse 19. The mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 6 verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known unto, unto, to make known the mystery of the gospel. Hallelujah. How many have we done now? Three. Glory <laughs> to God. Mystery number four. The mystery of bodily transfiguration. 
1 Corinthians 15, 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. I'm mentioning them, then we'll start looking at them. Alright? 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Let's read together. I want to go. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. You got that? Mystery number five. The mystery of iniquity. 2 Thessalonians 2.7 2 Thessalonians 2.7 2 Thessalonians 2.7 For the mystery Let's read it together. I want to go. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Amen. What's the next one? Six. Mystery number six. The mystery of his will. Ephesians 1 verse 9. The mystery of his will. Let's read this together. I want to go. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he had proposed in himself. Mystery number 7. The mystery of the seven stars and the seven golden candlesticks. Revelations 1.20. Revelations 1.20. The mystery of the seven stars and the seven golden candlesticks. Let's read this together. One to go. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Did you get that? Alright. These are the mysteries of the New Testament. Amen. So let's go over them again. What's the first one? Mystery of the faith. The mystery of the faith. Remember the scripture? 1 Timothy 3.9. Amen. The mystery of the What's the second one? The mystery of Christ. Hallelujah. Remember the scripture Ephesians 3 verse 4. What's the third one? The mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 6.19, the mystery of the gospel. What's the fourth one? The mystery of bodily transfiguration. 1 Corinthians 15.51. What's the fifth one? The mystery of iniquity. 2 Thessalonians 2.7. What's the next one? The mystery of his will. Ephesians 1 verse 9. And what's the last one? The mystery of the seven stars and the seven golden candlesticks. Revelations 1 verse 20. Can we run now? Alright. Now, let's start with the mystery of the faith. Glory to God. Are you ready? Oh, glory to Jesus. Now, in this scripture, it says, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. First of all, it's something you can hold, eh? Amen. And then he's telling us how. He said, in a pure conscience. But you would not appreciate it until I read it in context. So I'm going to do a long reading. 
I'll read from verse 9 to verse 16, which is the last one. Because most of the mysteries I mentioned have second names. Alright? For example, I talk about the mystery of bodily transgression. A.K.A. rapture. Amen. <laughs> you understand me? Uh-huh. I talked about... Uh, um, which other one now? Um, there are several mysteries I talked about. All right. But now, this mystery is also known as... So, I will show you what is also known as. So, let's read from 9 to 16. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience... And let this also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Now, understand, he had mentioned something, he's going to come back to it, alright? Has mentioned something and gone off on another route, but he's going to mention it again. For they that have used the office of deacon were purchased to themselves a good degree and great bonus in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. 14. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Now, 15 and 16. We'll read it together. I want to go. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Verse 16 is the big one. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Amen. The mystery of the faith is also known as the mystery of godliness. Amen. Are we together? Remember, I told you that yesterday Jesus said seeing they see not, hearing they hear not that they may not be converted and I will heal them. Meaning that once a man is exposed to these mysteries he will hear and see and he will be converted and he will be whole. Amen. That means that knowing the mysteries will have an effect. It is beneficial. It is profitable for you. I don't want to go back into that. So, Paul referred to the mystery of the faith as the mystery of godliness. There are some words Paul used, you know, and it's important for us to recognize that. For example, there are times that Paul is talking about the gospel. And he used the word Word of faith. Then he's talking about the gospel again and he calls it the gospel of peace. Then he's talking about the gospel again he calls it the word of truth. It's the same thing he's talking about. Hallelujah. Am I communicating? The same thing. So here, he first called it the mystery of the faith. Then down in that chapter, he referred to it as the mystery of godliness. Alright, so let's look at that scripture. We'll sit here for a while. It says, and without controversy. Without controversy. Let's read it together again. One to go. And without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. 
preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Amen. This is the summary of what we believe. Amen. Are we together? This is what our belief is based on. That's why I call it the mystery of godliness. Now, you know, for lack of better translation, they use godliness. Godliness. It might not have been the best rendering, because the Greek word there is Eusebia, it's not talking about living the godly life per se. No, no, no. It's saying the mystery of our devotion to God. What is behind our, permit me to use the word, religion. Amen. He said, why do you believe what you believe? This is the mystery of our religion. Give me, give me, give me Revised Standard Version. Let me read in Revised Standard Version. RSD. Revised State Version. <laughs> Revised Standard Version. Thank you. Let's read it together here now. See, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of our religion. Did you get that? Some of you don't know the mystery of your religion. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among nations, believed on the world, taken up in glory. Go back to King James. So, is the mystery of our faith. Amen. The mystery behind why we believe what we believe. The mystery behind our devotion to God. Are we together? Now, let me back up a bit. You know, Paul, before he got to verse 15, he called the church the pillar and ground of truth. Amen. That's what he called the church. The pillar and ground of truth. So, in that same light, he's trying to now explain that the truth that form our faith are God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's the summary of it. So, our faith, the mystery of our faith is based on six truths. Amen. Are we together? Six truths. Truth number one. God was manifest in the flesh. We'll take it one after the other. Truth number two. God was justified in the spirit. Truth number three. God was seen of angels. Truth number four. God was preached unto the Gentiles. Truth number five, God was believed on in the world. And truth number six, God was received up into glory. Amen. So let's take truth number one. Amen. Now, you know what this scripture is talking about? It's a summary of what makes us believers in Christ. What makes us children of God. Are we together? And when he says, and without controversy, he says, there's no argument about these things. By general consent of believers. Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. And some older ones will say, confessedly. Now, it seems like a confession that the early churches always made. Just as you come to church and make confession, the confession makes, they say, they make those confessions. God was manifest in the flesh. Alright? Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Alright? And they make those confessions. It's a confession. Because it's the foundation of our belief. 
Do you know that some people don't know why they believe what they believe? Praise God. God was manifest in the flesh. Let's take the first one. Now, you know, that's a very strong statement. What he's saying is that the reason why we believe what we believe is that God, the almighty God, <laughs> became a human. Hallelujah. See, the six truths I mentioned to you, from the first to the last, stuff, it covers everything that happened from incarnation to the ascension of Christ. By incarnation, I mean the birth. So from the incarnation to the ascension of Christ. So it starts by telling us God was manifest in the flesh. Incarnation. And it ends by telling us received up in glory. Ascension. So it says that what we believe begins with the fact that God became a man. That the almighty God became human. So that humanity can also partake of divinity. Are we together? This is in line with the prophecies of old that had been given concerning Jesus. Is it Isaiah 7 verse 14? It said, I will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and his name shall be called Emmanuel. In the book of Luke, when they were translating Emmanuel, they said, which is interpreted God with us. That God will come and live amongst men. Are we together? That's God manifested in the flesh. The prophecies have come long before time that the seed of the woman, God will have a child. Amen. God himself will show up amongst men. I love the way John puts it in John 1.14. He said the word. Something says was made flesh. The real meaning is that the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And will be held his glory. The beginning of our faith is that God became a man. You cannot say, oh, 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 well, well, I believe, but I don't believe it. The virgin birth, the virgin birth, you have to believe in it. Amen. Is the foundational truth of our faith. Amen. Are we together? God was manifest in the flesh. He walked like a man. He lived like a man. And that's the only way he could carry the sins of man. He could not have been judged like a man if he was not a man. Because it's man that sins. Amen. So a man had to show up to take the sins of men. Are we together? So God, ever say God, was manifest in the flesh. He became a man. You know, anything, any sect or group or church group that doesn't believe that God was manifest in the flesh, forget it. One of the ways um, John, I believe it was First John, he was talking about how to know that the Spirit that is speaking is the Spirit of God. He said, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Hallelujah. Are we together? Every, every spirit that agrees that Jesus, because what it means is that you are saying that Jesus is God. And that's true. Amen. God became man. That's where everything started. That's what that line is. God was manifest in the 
flesh. Did you get that? That's truth number one. Say it with me. God was manifest in the flesh. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Amen. That's scripture. Alright? The word became flesh. It means that that name, Emmanuel, God in our midst. <laughs> What's the next line? Truth number two. Justified in the Spirit. <laughs> he became a man. Then he said, justified in the Spirit. It's not speaking about justification as it says justification for us that we are justified in Christ. It's not speaking about justification in those terms because there are other translations. It's talking about vindicated by the Holy Ghost. Let me put the right word. Validated by the Spirit. That this God, when He became flesh, the Holy Ghost validated him. This is God. Hallelujah. Validated by the Holy Spirit. How was He validated by the Spirit? Acts chapter 10 verse 38. When he walked the earth, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, hallelujah, with the Holy Ghost, that was a validation, and power, who went about doing good and healing all that, for God was with him. Amen. That means the Holy Ghost validated him. He didn't just come and say, I am God. The Holy Spirit validated him. Yes, this is God. Several times. When he was in Jordan and came out. The Bible says, they saw the Spirit descend upon him like a dove and rested on him. Glory to God. I'm summarizing all the statements that were made. And rested on him. It's not like people have not seen the Spirit of God come upon anybody before. No, 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 no. This coming upon was different. Are we together? I know that that has caused a lot of problems for some Pentecostals. Amen. Because to them now, the Holy Spirit is a dove. Amen. So anywhere they see dove, maybe they even want to worship. <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. And it was not talking about the Holy Spirit symbolized as a dove. No. He was saying that the Holy Spirit came upon him the way a dove lands. Softly. Are you understanding me? It was a figure of speech. Explained the focus was how the Spirit descended. Not what was descending. Amen. Are we together? That was the focus of that discussion. How he descended. Okay, let me take you back memory lane. Before now, anywhere God descends, something they spoil. Mount Sinai, fire, smoke. Are you understanding me? Anywhere God, something will break, something will scatter. Are you understanding me? Ah, God has come. Bish, 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 bish. You sure now, you know Elijah's story. That Elijah saw a, a whirlwind, a wind. He, he thought God was in it. He saw an earthquake. He thought God was in it. That's what they were used to. God showed up with fire, earthquake, you understand, bomb. Are you understanding? That's how God shows up. Explosion. So that when God spoke to Elijah with a small voice, it was strange. Are you understanding me? Now, they said, how you will know the one that is the Messiah, the Christ of God, is that the Spirit will descend on him 
like a dove. He will descend on him differently from how he descended on any other prophet. And it will descend not to go, but to rest on him. So, Jesus was validated by the Holy Spirit. That's what he meant, justified in the Spirit. On the other angle of it is that when Jesus died, <laughs> the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 11, if the Spirit of him that raised them is, if Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and died, the Holy Ghost will validate him, have to go and raise him up. Amen. That was validation. So Jesus was raised by the Holy Ghost. According to Romans 8, 11. He was raised up. That was validation. Romans 1, verse 4. Talks about him resurrecting by the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. That means that the Spirit had to prove that he is the Son of God. Hallelujah. So Jesus is God manifesting in flesh. He was validated. Justified in spirit means he was validated. Okay, let's read Romans 1, 4 so you see the validation here. Want to go. And declare to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Imagine Jesus claiming, I'm the Son of God, I'm the Son of God. Then he died. Then he didn't wake up. Amen. If he claims to be the Son of God, then the Holy Spirit has to show up. To raise him up. Hallelujah. Say with me. God was manifest in the flesh. He's justified in the spirit. Validated by the Holy Ghost. Now listen. In the same way. That's why today too. If we talk about Jesus. The Holy Ghost still validates what, what we say. Amen. The top truth. He was seen of angels. Glory to God. He was seen of angels. Now, some of you don't understand that. The angels know about God seated on the throne. But for the first time, they will see God like a human. Are we together? He was seen as human. Angels saw God as man. Remember in the story of Luke Chapter 2, when Jesus was born, angels came to worship. Hallelujah. God had to instruct for them to worship Him. Okay, let me read the scripture to you. Hebrews 1.6. Hebrews 1.6. Let's read this together. I want to go. And again, when He bringeth in the first begotten into the world, He said, and let all the angels of God worship him. Now, a baby was in the manger, but they had to worship. I hear the enemy because that was God. Hallelujah. So, he was seen of angels. They saw him as human. They had never seen him that way before. Now, let me go further to explain what, what, what this means. It means that they saw God born. <laughs> Amen. They saw God grow. Amen. They saw God cry. Amen. They had never seen him that way. They saw God tempted. And they saw God assisted by them. Amen. That's what it means seeing of angels. Even the angels could testify that God was manifest in the flesh. They saw God killed. <laughs> Amen. 
They saw him suffer. They saw God hungry. <laughs> Are we together? Angels saw God hungry. That's the Bible says the angels desired to look into these things. It was a wonder to them. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. Some argue and say, oh, no, what it meant by seeing of angels was that, you know, the word angel or angelos also means messenger, you know. So, it actually was talking about, there are different schools of thought, it actually talking about the fact that, you know, he was seen of messengers. Oh, whichever way it is, he was seen of messengers. And the messenger of messengers was John the Baptist. Amen. <laughs> In Malachi, the third chapter, he said, behold, I will send my messenger before your face. So, imagine John the Baptist meeting Jesus. He saw God. Hallelujah. Moses and Elijah also met him. Praise God. As a man on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. So, whether you agree with angels, real angels, or messengers, the scripture is still fulfilled. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. He was seen of angels. Lift your hands and say, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in spirit, seen of angels. Now, you know why we're explaining this to you? You cannot claim to be born again and not believe this, and not believe that God became a man, and not believe that he was validated of the spirit. And not believe he was seen of angels. The fourth truth. Go back to my scripture. Some time ago I was talking, um, you know, I was looking at this scripture. And I was just amazed at how the mystery of our faith is just put together. Hallelujah. In one verse. Amen. Glory to God. In one verse. Now, I don't know if some of you have ever thought of this. Long before Jesus came, Gentiles seemed to live their own life. It didn't look like there was any plan for them. And then God focused on a nation, Israel. Even when Jesus came and was sending out his disciples, he said, go only to the lost sheep of Israel. But the moment this started, God became flesh, dwelt among us, and then he died. A door of faith was opened to the Gentiles. Amen. You know who the Gentiles are? You now. Amen. <laughs> you know, sometimes I say Gentiles, you just be thinking of something. You is you. <laughs> Meaning that if this thing happens, there's no way you'll be here. <laughs> Am I communicating? No, 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 you'll be here. So, he was preached unto the Gentiles. Glory to God. Everybody say with me, he was preached unto the Gentiles. 
There are two scriptures I want to show you here. Glory to God. Are we making progress? You sure? Thank you, Lord. You know, before Jesus died, every focus was on the Jews. But even at the cross, something specific happened. I want to just show you that. Apart from the fact that after Jesus rose again, before he ascended, he told them, now go into the world. Amen. Why did he say go into the world? Before it was not going to the world. Go into the world because now the door has been opened to the Eurobars to hear the gospel. Where do you come from? Amen. Amen. Are we together? The door has been opened to Nigeria, to Saudi Arabia, to the whole world. So how was the gospel preached unto the Gentiles? I want to just show you a symbolism here. I'll read two scriptures. Let's take the first one, Luke 23 verse 38. And then John 19, 19 to 20. Praise the Lord. Did you see that? When Jesus was on the cross, it was not deliberate, but to prove to you that everything that was happening at that time was divinely orchestrated, working according to the mystery of his will, which is one of the mysteries. When they put up an inscription over Jesus, they wrote the inscription in three languages, Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Meaning it's for the whole world. Amen. Praise God. Are we together? <laughs> they didn't know what they were doing. But it was a sign that the door had been opened. Amen. It was not just put in, Greek, in Hebrew. No, no, no. Greek, Latin, Hebrew. John 19. 19, 20. John 19. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing, I'm trying to make you understand the full word that was written there. So that's why I'm coming here. Alright. And the writing was what? Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Now if you say he's the King of the Jews, why do you put it in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew? Amen. That means everybody that comes can read the message. Everybody that comes can get the message. Listen to me. What Jesus came to do was that the message is now out for all of mankind. Right from the beginning, God always had a plan for the whole world. Amen. Say, God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Permit me to run, rush a bit. Then it says, believe on in the world. Now the door of faith had opened to the Gentiles. I said previously, the Gentiles didn't have any obligation towards God in time past. The scripture I skipped, you could just write it down, Acts chapter 14 verse 16. It talks about how the Gentiles in time past, God suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. But that has turned around. Believe on in the world. Luke chapter 23 verse 47. Amen. Salvation is now available to everyone by faith in Christ Jesus. This man was a centurion. When he saw what happened on the cross, he believed. Amen. Let's read together. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God saying, 
certainly this was a righteous man. Do you know that even in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, you think only Jews got born again? Out of the 3,000 that got saved, was he only Jews? No. They heard them speak in their language. The Parthians, the Elamites. And all those languages are not Jewish people. And that means the church was born with both Gentiles and Jews. Amen. Because the door had opened. And this God that was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, has now been preached unto the Gentiles and has been believed on in the world. Amen. Not just by the Jews. Before now, only the Jews believed in this God. At least, the, the, the supreme being. Not God. Are you understanding me? But now, this God is believed on in the world. You go to China, they are people that believe in God. You know that? I'm talking about the God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to skip to the last one quickly. It says, He was what? Received up to glory. Hallelujah. What proof would you want again? Jesus didn't just disappear. Amen. Are you understanding me? You know, Adolf Hitler, they didn't see his body. Are we together? During the World War, Second World War. Um, there's no place you can say this is where they buried Adolf Hitler. You know? Some believe you know, they committed suicide. There are many stories, conspiracy stories about Adolf Hitler. The guy just disappeared. Are you understanding me? But we know he's dead. Are we together? <laughs> That's not what happened to Jesus. Jesus did not just disappear. <laughs> No. He was talking to a group of people. As he was talking, he started going up. And going up. And going up. And going up. Until they could see him no more. So he ascended. That He told you he came from heaven. So he went that way. Amen. Let me read the scripture to you. Glory to God. Um, I'll read two scriptures. Luke 24, 51 and 52. And Acts 1, 9 to 11. I've been able to reach this. I'm happy. Glory to God. Luke 24, 51 to 52. And it came to pass. While he blessed them. What happened? He was parted from them. And was carried up into heaven. Did you see that? It's the same way you two will be carried up. Amen. He was carried up into heaven. Verse 52. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Go to Acts 1, 9 to 11. Acts 1, 9 to 11. Oh, I love this scripture a lot. Let's read it together. I want to go. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Amen. Keep going, keep going. We'll read to verse 11. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, 
And verse 11 says what? Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. This is the mystery of the faith. Amen. Go back to my scripture. And let's read it together now with understanding. Amen. So, want to go. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. You want to explain the gospel to someone? That's it. So you know what you believe. Amen. This is the foundation. This is the mystery behind. Now, do you know why it's called a mystery? You can't explain. Eh, God, God, my friend, how do you? How was it my friend? It was that miracle. Amen. How was a virgin born of a? You know, that's the miracle. It's called a sign. Amen. So it means you believe that God was manifest in the flesh. You believe He was validated by the Spirit. You believe He was seen of angels. You believe He preached on unto the Gentiles. And that's why you even came in the first place. You believe He's believed on in the world. And you believe He ascended, was taken up, He was received up into glory. Hallelujah. And we believe the same way He left is coming again. Hallelujah. I submit to you the mystery of the faith. Glory to God. I submit to you the mystery of the faith. Tomorrow, I'll be talking about the mystery of Christ. Now, understand something. As I'm sharing with you, just for the fact that you are hearing it, something has happened inside you already. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, someone can be in church for donkey years and not even know why they're in church. Someone can own a Bible and not even understand what they're doing. Thank God for knowledge. Thank God for revelation. See, my eyes are open. I have hearing ears. I have seen eyes. I have an understanding heart. God was manifest to the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached on to the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. And received up into glory. If you believe that, say loud, Amen. Lift your right hand everywhere. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Thank you.